Hi everyone and welcome to another Firms Consulting Podcast. Today's podcast is my discussion on the uh, quarterly article, Internal Strategy Units Rarely Create Strategy Consultants. And in putting together this podcast, I obviously did not want to repeat what was in the article, but provide a new context, and and that's what I'll do. But before I get there, I think it's important to um, explain how you should read this article and how you should use this article. This article is only discussing one part about internal strategy units at banks and companies. It's referring to the decision some applicants make to join an internal strategy unit if they're not successful at Bain and BCG and McKinsey in the application. So they feel that, okay, if I apply to McKinsey, Bain and BCG, and if I don't get in, I can go to an internal strategy unit and learn the same skills. Now, this podcast is is going to unpack and examine the rationale and the problems with that strategy. If your strategy is to go to an internal consulting unit and then to transition into a major management consulting firm, I would encourage that. And this podcast is not... Uh, an analysis of that step because we think that's a good step. In fact, it is a firm's consulting strategy to move a lot of our clients, especially MBAs, into internal consulting units at banks, get them comfortable with the language and so on, and then move them into major consulting firms. If that is your strategy, by all means, do it. But if you want to to see an internal consulting unit as a substitute for a consulting firm, then I would say that's a bad idea, and we're going to discuss that here. So um, let's just talk about um, let's just talk about things from the viewpoint of a young associate or consultant. Because when I wrote this article, obviously, I'm writing it with my ex-partner hat on, and I and I'm and I'm writing things here that I think when you're young. And in inverted commas, naive. I mean, I was naive when I was young. You don't see some of the things that I'm mentioning, and you don't. I'm sure some of you can't even believe it's true. So let me talk you through my initial experience or my early experience of um, interacting with internal strategy units and where that came from. So when I was an uh, an associate and a consultant, a lot of my colleagues left management consulting to work at internal consulting roles at banks. And there were a, a couple of reasons why they did that. Uh, one is that, um, you know, for, for those of you who are not familiar with my background, I spent most of my consulting career in the emerging markets, uh, working out of, you know, the British-based system, and also doing projects in London. I've done a few projects in the United States and Canada, but predominantly uh, the UK and the UK um, you know, Commonwealth nations and Russia and Chile and Brazil and Turkey and so on and and countries outside of the Commonwealth as well. Now, when when you are in the emerging markets, there are not a lot of choices for high-paying jobs when you graduate from university, for locals especially, and even expats, you know, coming in from Oxford and Harvard and so on. So there are a few places that pay a lot of money. One would be the major consulting firms. The other one would be the banks, I mean, if you if you're a high flying graduate from those um, uh, major schools working in uh, major emerging economies, or if you're a local graduate working in those emerging economies, banking and consulting pay the most amount of money. Now, 
that is not entirely different from the way the United States and Canada is also set up. Because while McKinsey pays very well, uh, there are certain banks in the United States who will pay even more to bring across these people into consulting units, internal consulting units anyway. And the same would apply to Canada and the UK as well. It, 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 it differs by country, so it's not fair to say, well, the developed world is different and the developing world is different. It, it, it really depends by on country. But the point here is that a lot of my colleagues, a fair number, went into internal consulting roles at banks. And I must be quite honest with you, when they did it, I actually seriously considered doing it as well. I thought, wow, this is amazing. They've been given such fancy titles, manager of strategy. I knew one guy who was a, um, I think he was an associate principal. He was an associate principal and he was made director of strategy. Now, I don't know what a director of strategy is in a major uh, investment bank or major commercial bank, so it just sounds glamorous. And I would, for a long time, I considered making the transition myself because it was well known the banks would pay you much more. Well, you know, anywhere from 20, 30, 20 to 30% more than what you were earning at the consulting firm because there was so many, there was such a steep lack of skills and they were, you know, needed these talented people. So, I can understand completely when people say, wow, I need to go into an internal consulting arm of a bank because there I was, a consultant at a major firm, and I was thinking it was glamorous to go there. So I can imagine where people who don't have a consulting background are thinking. But I'm glad I didn't make the decision. And the reason I didn't make the decision is not that I had some brilliant analytical insight where I rationalized the pros and cons. I must be honest, it didn't happen that way. What really happened is that one of my colleagues who had left the consulting firm went to a bank, then returned to uh, consulting. And he was roughly the same age as me. Um, well, I think he was the same age as me. In fact, I think we, we both we awarded the same scholarship when we were in high school, but I can't remember the, the details. He was a nice guy. I remember him, friendly, uh, very, very uh, personable young man. And we were pretty good friends. Uh, but a couple of things I noticed. The first one is that he was not exactly the kind of person who was... Um, good at keeping the state secret. So he would be quite willing to share the work he had done at the bank. Now, that raised two problems that I only realized much later. You know, what kind of value system is there in that bank that someone leaves the bank of, consul of consultants and ends up thinking you can share the work? That was my first concern. It's a concern I never had at that point because I was still just you know, three years in the firm and when you're three years in the firm, you don't fully appreciate the confidentiality and the culture and so on. Yeah, you, you know about it, you talk about it, you say it and you do it, but you don't really have a, a granular feeling of why you are doing it. So the first thing that struck me is that he was quite willing to share the information he was putting together at the bank. The second thing is when I looked at the analysis, and I remember very clearly it was an analysis to look at launching a new type of point system for credit cards at the commercial bank. And... The thing that struck me about it is that it was a very, very, it was a very superficial comparison of public information. So, if you're not a consultant, it's very hard to understand the difference between consulting reports which are dense in the analysis and you know reconstructing the economics of a product versus a report which is really scanning some pages 
putting together some comparisons based on public information. That's what his report was. It was a qualitative assessment using public information. And at the time, I thought, wow, this is not the way we would have done it. It took me a long time to understand why he had done the work the way he had. Well, firstly, no competitor in their right frame of mind is going to give the strategy consultant from Bank X their competitive information, knowing that they work at a competitor. So he had no way of collecting competitive information because no one's going to share it with him. The other issue he had is that the operating units within the bank were also unwilling to share information with him because it's not a trust issue, they didn't think he would add any value. As far as they were concerned, the internal strategy unit at a bank was not there to do real high-end strategy work, but to simply implement the productivity improvement initiatives that the bank had in place. And if they wanted to do uh, product entry strategies and you know, the kind of high-end strategy work, they would either bring in an internal external firm that had more skills to do it, or they would get corporate to fund an external firm to do it. So, so it's a, bit, a little bit of a chicken and egg story here, why, whereby the, his internal strategy unit wanted to do high-end strategy work, but they could only do high-end strategy work if the business units gave them the data to do the high-end strategy work, and there's a chicken and egg part, but the internal business units would only give them the data if they already were able to do high-end strategy work. So, you know, you've got the superficial report. He's very proud of it. Didn't want to tell him it looks pretty bad, but it was pretty bad, right? You know, it, definitely the entire economics, the, the in-depth assessment of sensitivity analysis that we normally do, the exact sequence of steps we would take to capture the mark that we would do in the firm were, were completely missing. Beyond that, I then asked him, you know, how was this report used? And he said, well, we presented it to the business in its heads and they liked it. And I said, okay, you know, but how do they use it? Did they actually use it? And I wasn't being rude. We we're pretty good friends. So I could ask these direct questions. And what he told me is then a very telling about internal strategy units. He said, well, they found the report very interesting and um, they decided that uh, they're going to do a more detailed study to see if they should enter the market. And they said, okay, who's doing the study? Well, McKinsey's going to do the study. So, so that really raises the paradox of internal consulting units, right? Um, or internal strategy units in these cases, ISUs as we call them. They don't really do strategy. Now, of course, there are going to be exceptions here. Definitely, there are going to be exceptions. But I'm going to also say that those exceptions are not as exceptional as you think because there is no way in hell that you as an internal strategy consultant, I mean, you take Bank of America as an example, just to pick their name. I don't know anything about internal consulting at Bank of America, but it's, you know, we'll just use them as an example, yeah? If you have done an analysis which shows that the credit card division for the Midwest is is actually destroying value, but everyone else thinks it's creating value. Are you really... Now, because, just as, let's just set the context here. If everyone else thinks that the Midwest division is creating value, obviously that uh, executive running the credit card division in the Midwest is seen as a star, it's got a lot of influence, it's got a lot of power because everyone thinks it's successful. Now, you're in the internal consulting unit. You know your future is in this bank because remember we are talking about people who want to have a career in the bank not that people who see banking internal consulting and banking as a stepping stone to management consulting so you see your future in the bank are you really going to send a report out to m numerous people telling them that hey despite what you guys think 
the head of this, the credit card division actually cr destroying value. Now, are you going to send it to your superior? Are you going to send it to the head of your strategy unit? Are you going to send it to the head of the credit card division? Well, firstly, even if you actually had the gumption to do that, what do you think is going to happen to you? I would think 9 out of 10 people wouldn't do it because they know it's going to hurt their career. For one thing, who is going to trust an analyst who's 27, 29, or even a manager for McKinsey, 30 years old, sitting in a bank, when the head of the credit card division of the Northwest has 30 years experience, is a star performer, has generated a lot of supposed profits, and no one can see what you are saying. You firstly, even assuming your analysis is right, you need to get the audience to explain why your analysis is right. And from the time you send out your analysis to the time you think you're going to get the audience, a lot of things can go wrong your career can be over because the head of the credit card unit can sit with the C and say, this is nonsense. I don't think this is right. Let me look at this, right? It's a conflict of interest. If as soon as the head of the credit card division says, let me look at this, you see, the CEO says, yeah, you look at it, right? Now, the guy who is being, in inverted commas, audited for his strategy skills is now going to be checking the results of the analysis which is auditing his work, which is kind of a severe conflict of interest. Rarely will a CEO say, oh, this is amazing analysis. Let's let's look into this and let's sideline the CEO of the credit card division of the Northwest. He's not going to do that because he's sidelining one of his key executives. And because he doesn't know if you are right, he's not going to he's not going to take the risk of sidelining a very important young executive who could go on to be a very influential player in the company and whose support he likely needs and also if this guy if he thinks this guy is generating severe you know not severe but substantial economic value to the firm he's not going to sideline him so so when 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 you enter internal consulting roles that kind of dynamic people don't really understand because a lot of people a lot of readers and a lot of listeners think that consulting is just about analysis, and it's not just about the analysis. You know, a lot of people say the advent of better data, better benchmarking tools means consulting is dead. Well, consulting is not just about the analysis, and consulting is truly dead if your business model is around just the analysis. But where consultants are truly exceptional is the way we are able to manage relationships when once we get into the situation, right? You know, my own experience uh, talks to that is that I'm a, I was a very young uh, manager, I was a very young principal, and to be honest, most people still think I look very young. But once I get into a client situation, I was trained by some very good principles in terms of how to build long-term relationships, how to get people to accept tough recommendations, and how to present those tough recommendations to people so that they don't feel alienated when I give it to them. In an internal consulting unit, you don't have the luxury of doing that because you don't have the respect to do that. And you may think it's different, but but I want you to visualize for a second what happens when you do this truly amazing... And let's assume you actually get the data, which is an entirely different problem on its own because people just don't trust you with the data. Let's assume that you get the data and you do this mind-blowing piece of analysis. Right? Now imagine you are going to the operating unit leader and telling him, well, you know what? You're not as smart as you think you are. Obviously, you're not going to say that, but that's what you're saying between the lines and you're actually creating a lot of you know, damage to your business. Now, you may think that, oh, there's a way to convince him to do it, but I can assure you that, and here's the other problem, in a consulting firm, the values of speaking out, of saying what is right, of doing what's in the best interest of the client, 
yeah, that is there, and I would say that is very, there very strongly. But once you are in a bank or any other internal strategy unit, the value system has altered, whereby people are doing what they can do to get ahead. And I would say it's a rare manager, business unit executive, who is going to sit down and say, you know what, your analysis is right. I've completely messed up. I'm going to fall on my sword, resign. Why don't you take my role? It doesn't happen. People protect themselves. They basically try to cover their asses, as they say, right? And they'll do whatever they can to bury that report as much as they can and discredit you. And that's one of the things that people who go into internal strategy roles don't understand is that when you are making these massive decisions whereby people's careers are on the line, they're going to attack you. And, I, and internal strategy units are not equipped, firstly, to even present that kind of analysis. And even if by some, I don't know, act of... God, you had the data to do it, you're not then equipped to deal with, the, I would say, the emotional and personal dynamics that are going to be taking place because you're not trained to do that, right? I can't imagine internal strategy unit having a work, a set of workshops and a, and a rigorous training program around how they deliver these tough recommendations to clients because, firstly, the operating units are not going to pay for that. Because remember, they are paying for this cost center. So imagine an operating unit gets this line item saying, how to give tough feedback to other people who are paying for the training. Hmm, let's cut down the internal strategy unit. That's what happens with internal strategy units. They go through the cycle. And you can see it all the time, right? Um, somewhere in the bank, someone will look at the fees McKinsey is paying them or BCG and say, oh my God, we spent $10 million on consulting fees and I read a report in the Harvard Business Review saying there are 50,000 alumni from these three firms. Why don't we hire a few of them to do the work? And everyone gets all excited and they hire headhunting firms and say, well, we want three partners from McKinsey or two partners to join. And the headhunter says, well, okay, he starts contacting people and saying, well, you know, this is a team run by ex-McKinsey, ex-BCG partners. The, 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 the bank is adamant that they're going to create this top-notch strategy team. And we're, we're hiring people from McKinsey and BCG at the lower levels. And we're also hiring very talented engineers and economics graduates from outside consulting to work. And everyone's all gung-ho and excited. They then join, right? And what happens? Well, firstly... To some extent, I think the McKinsey and BCG managers or associate principals, principals, partners who join are a little bit naive about the impact they can have. They end up not having a biggest impact as they can, but they think they're going to have that impact. So for the first six months to nine months, everything's pretty hunky-dory, right? Everyone thinks, well, we are going to be the guys to displace McKinsey or BCG, and they start doing all kinds of analysis, and then reality sets. Because the operating unit says, hey, we're not funding that. We're not going to give you $100,000 to buy access to some database to allow you to benchmark our costs of issuing credit cards. We don't want that. What we want you to do is we are rolling out new processes for remuneration for our call centers. We want you to map those processes and we want you to look at best practices for giving out remuneration structures. And we're not going to pay you a lot of money to do it. We don't want you to pay to access to databases. Use public information, right? So there you have a client who doesn't really understand how consulting works and as and remember to now just this is the important part to sell the operating divisions or corporate head office on the idea of bringing in consultants the idea is made that they are cheaper
But when the consultants arrive to create an internal strategy, you know, they think they're going to have all the trappings of success that McKinsey has, and they don't. So you have an operating unit and a corporate head office which says, we're building an internal strategy unit that's going to be much low cost, maybe one-fifth the cost of McKinsey. And the internal strategy team thinks we're going to have everything McKinsey has to be successful. So here you have the people without the ammunition in the internal strategy unit thinking they can do what McKinsey does and they're not equipped to do it and you have the corporate teams and the business unit teams saying hey we're not paying for that because it's not what we want and I can tell you now within a year to a year and a half disenchantment sets in the partners who are heading up that unit want to go into operating roles because they can see that the operating uh, leaders are the ones who at the year-end functions uh, during bonus time get paid the big bucks. You, you're not going to get paid a lot of money if you're in the internal strategy unit. Your base may be relatively higher, but you're not going to get bonuses. And we all know that bonuses within banks and even operating entities are delivered based on your contribution to the profit and loss statement, and you don't make a contribution if you're a cost center. So disenchantment sets in. Some of the senior team starts to leave they start complaining openly to their you know, members of the internal strategy unit. And before long, everyone's left and the unit's shut down. Two years, finished, wrapped up. Maybe one or two people stay behind and they'll get then absorbed into the business units in, 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 in sort of analyst roles, strategy roles. From the time they wanted to set up this internal unit to the time enthusiasm returns, it's about three years, and the cycle starts again. It's you know, to put this in perspective, it's like when you go out and get drunk, really drunk, one night. I can assure you, the next morning when you get up, you will swear to God that you are never gonna drink again. Yeah, four days later, you forgot the pain you went through, and on by Friday, you are back at the liquor store, you know, negotiating with the vendor on how to get the cheapest possible liquor in as biggest volume as you possibly can. Probably rolling kegs down the hill. My point is that it's the same principle because banks are constantly rotating executives around while the executive who started the internal strategy unit in the credit card division may have learned his lesson three years later someone else is running that unit and someone else is thinking i can do it better and i will get an internal strategy unit and it will work so my point is this Hopefully this, my personal experiences with, you know, internal strategy units at banks and what I've seen makes you pause a little bit to think about how this is going to help you. Now, if you want to learn about consulting and be, if you want to learn about consulting, go to an internal strategy unit at a bank. If you want to be an outstanding strategy consultant, you can't do that in an internal strategy unit at a bank because you're not going to learn the skills to do it there. Even if that partner wanted to, to teach you everything, he doesn't have the manpower to do it, he doesn't have the budget to do it, and he doesn't have the projects in which to teach you those things because the businesses just don't give that to him. But if you want to use internal consulting at a bank as a stepping stone to an operating unit, I would entirely recommend that. As a stepping stone to go to McKinsey, I would recommend that. But just make sure that you are doing everything required to get to McKinsey. I mean, if you never finished with distinction or you don't have a great grades and a great background, working in the internal strategy unit of a bank is not going to automatically make you a princess or a prince, right? Just to be gender correct, yeah? So make sure that when you when you pick this path to get into consulting, you are doing all of the right things. And I recommend some things in the articles. I'm not going to repeat again. But the point is this.
an internal strategy unit at a bank or a corporate is not a substitute for McKinsey and BCG, not a substitute in the work you do, not a substitute in the training you do, and not a substitute on the path to becoming an experienced strategy consultant. Now, you know, this is obviously what I'm telling you is, is may come across quite negatively. But I think it's important that, you know, firms consulting has always defined itself by telling the truth and telling the truth as we see it, even if it's going to make 90% of the people unhappy. But I think it's important that even if you're unhappy for five minutes, you do have the rest of your life to then make the right decision rather than hearing what you want to hear for five minutes and making the wrong decision, which will damage the rest of your life. Now, go to an internal strategy unit but know what you're going to get out of it. Go to an internal strategy unit if you're still relatively young and you want to go to McKinsey or BCG. Go to an internal strategy unit if you feel that you have the intellectual firepower and the personality to do amazing things on an analytical basis that you can talk about later when you're applying to McKinsey and BCG. Do not go to an internal strategy unit if you are like Nemo in the movie Finding Nemo who gets dragged around by Dory all the time and doesn't know what's happening and no pun intended but hoping to be swept up by the current and go in the right direction because you are, you're just going to end up getting into a whirlpool or worse ending up in someone's shark tank somehow being shredded by the propellers. My point is know what you want to get out of it and be forceful about what you want to get out of it and then you will be successful. As always, I'll be happy to post any comments or queries and respond to anything that you would like me to discuss.